Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. As we were singing that, I was thinking about what it might look like if, if God really worked through this church to, to shout it from, from this hill of who he is, that he is God, that he is love. Well, if he used this church, and I, I don't mean this platform or this organization, I'm, I mean like you and me and, and our lives and the places he has put us, the situations we're in, the, the ways he has called us to engage with the world around us. What, what if he used your gifts and talents and relationships and things way beyond what you're capable of? What if he did through my life those things? What if he used that to shout, to show, to, to reveal to this community to Kelso and Longview and Cowlitz County, that he is God, that he is love. What if he really worked something so deeply in our hearts that our hearts cried out for no other name? There was no one else that we thought was gonna ride in and save us but Jesus. What would that do to this community? How would that change people's lives? how that changed the world that we live in. We started talking last week about what it means to follow Jesus at its most basic level. Talking about basic church. And, and again, I don't mean organizational structures of church, although I find that fascinating. I don't think most people do. We mean actually at its most basic level, what does it mean to be a person and a group of people who are following Jesus in a world that is so complicated, where the problems around us are so complex and overwhelming, and our temptation is to try to make the problems feel and sound simpler, to somehow reduce them. But the truth is the problems are what they are. And to oversimplify them doesn't help us address them. Our other temptation then is to try to take the, to say, okay, well, these problems are complex and big, so therefore my response must also be complex and big and, and overwhelming. And I just don't know if I can step into all of that. We make being church, being a Jesus follower, so complicated. And there are definitely parts of it that are hard, this is not called easy church, but basic. Can we take what it means to follow Jesus and say, all right, let's strip away some of the what ifs and what abouts and say, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this world in an everyday sort of way. Last week, I quoted a basketball coach 
whose heyday was 50 years ago, named John Wooden, whose college basketball team won national championship after national championship, and yet he started every year by teaching his players how to put on their socks and shoes. And he said, it is the little details that make the big things come about. It's the little details that make the big things come about. We have big problems in our world. We have things that we're not sure what to do about. And rather than trying to rise our lives to the complexity of the problems around us, we're saying actually what is needed is to pay attention to the details, the little things, the basics. And to say, if we get these things down right, if, if we can engage in the basics of what it means to follow Jesus, the little details will make the big things come about. So in trying to put words to this idea of, of the simple basics of following Jesus, Last week, we, we tried these words. We, we said, okay, following Jesus at its core level is about knowing God. It's about growing in Christ-like character, and it's about blessing other people. We're gonna know God. We're gonna grow in Christ-like character, seeing Jesus as our example. And we're gonna bless other people as Jesus went out and blessed people and taught us to do the same. And we'll talk more about these over the weeks to come. Last week we talked, we started talking about knowing God. Not just knowing about God, not just knowing a lot of cool facts or making sure that our theology is all in order or being able to quote a whole bunch of Bible verses. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But being able to quote a whole lot of Bible verses at people without actually knowing the God who is love, as Paul says in the New Testament, just makes us clanging cymbals, loud and obnoxious and not accomplishing very much. We want to actually know God and be in relationship with him. For reasons I don't fully understand, God has invited us to be in relationship with him. The God who created the universe The God who took all of this complexity and holds it all together has invited us, has invited me and you to be in relationship with him. And just like we can know a lot about a person, there's a difference between knowing a lot about the people around us and actually knowing them, knowing what motivates them, what they love, what breaks their heart, what they find joy and delight in and, and where they cringe because the people they love are going off course. These are things that we're invited to know about God. We talked about how knowing God and actually getting to know him over time, engaging in that relationship leads us to finding that God is trustworthy. 
and he is worthy of our worship. That God has invited us to be in relationship. He's not made us robots who love because we have to or worship because we're programmed to, but, but we're invited into that kind of relationship to find that he is trustworthy and lovable. To find that over time we can bring our anxieties and our fears to him. We can bring our mess. We can bring our anger and our anger with him. And we can bring all of that to him and go, God, this is me. And find that he meets us in those places. Find that he wants to know all of that about us. Wants to reveal those things to us. Wants us to carry those things to him. And say, this is me. And in the same way we find with a human best friend, we find that he's accepting of us even in our mess. And that we can trust him to be there for us when things are falling apart and when we're excited and everywhere in between. And we get to know God through actually engaging in that kind of relationship. We talked about different ways to get to know God. We get to know God through getting to know Jesus. That as we read the stories of Jesus in scripture and what motivates and what excites and all of those kind of things, that Jesus is God in human flesh, that Jesus, whatever Jesus did and said, this reveals God to us that we need to get to know Jesus as our friend and as our savior and as our example. And we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks as well. And we get to know, just like we get to know Jesus through scripture, we get to know God through scripture. We're gonna do some of that today. And we get to know God through personal relationship. Again, God did not just wind up the world and set us loose. God did not just say, okay, I'll save you and I'll see you in eternity. But God actually invites us into personal relationship with him. Personal relationship means actually engaging in that relationship, engaging in conversation, in dialogue, where we do take our stuff to him and we talk to him and we call it prayer, and we listen for what God has to say. Like any other conversation you engage in, there's a back and forth. And I think we're a little bit more comfortable, at least in the ways that I grew up in church, I grew up a lot more comfortable with the idea that I could take stuff to God and I could talk to him about stuff. And hey, God, here's what's going on. And will you fix this thing in my life? And, and by the way, will you fix that person over there? Because I don't know what's up with them. And I can take my stuff to, to God But the idea that, that God would have a response for me, that God might actually speak to me, well, that all gets a lot more complicated. And frankly, I get a little more sketched out by the whole thing and by teaching the whole thing because, because there's some mystery around it. Because some people feel like they hear the voice of God. Some people feel like they just get an impression on their hearts or their mind. Maybe they feel it physically physically. There's some way that they go, I, I think God is saying something to me. I think God is directing me in this way. 
And for many, that just sounds weird. I mean, it's weird enough to talk to God and, and sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to myself and that's kind of strange. And if that's where you're at, that's entirely okay and understandable. And then this next level of like, well, God's gonna respond and talk to me. That feels really weird. And how do I know I'm hearing God and not myself? I know I find that uh, for me, it's often easier to believe that God is speaking to me or pointing me in a direction, moving me in some way when it's something I don't want to do. When it's something I do want to do, I go, is that God or is that just me? I don't really, really know. And then on top of all of that, Throughout the last couple thousand years, there's countless examples of people who have misused this idea and said, well, God told me to blah and have done incredibly harmful, damaging things in the name of, well, God said. It's like, oh man, okay. We can really mess this thing up. <laughs> so maybe it's safer if we just ignore all of that. Like, okay, I'll talk to God and we'll just ignore the God talks back but it's still true. This is part of being invited into a relationship with anybody, including God, that you're invited to speak into that relationship and the other party speaks into it as well. And God has conversations he wants to have with you. Things he wants to draw your attention to, directions he wants to point you. Reminders of his love and grace he wants to give you. And so we talk to God and we invite him to speak. And so often when we gather together, whoever is standing up here at the beginning kind of starting our time together with a conversation with God, say, hey God, we want you to speak now, I, have, I personally have never once prayed that. And then some voice came from the ceiling and we all went, whoa. That might happen. <laughs> and I will be the first one to be completely freaked out and overwhelmed if it does. But we invite God to speak, to move, to talk to us. To say what he has to say to our hearts and our minds. To move and direct us. And I think the fact that that can get misused, A, should not make us completely shy away from it because it's still true and there's still a God who wants to engage in relationship with you, but also demonstrates why it's so important to be following Jesus in community. For all three of these things that we're talking about, knowing God, growing in Christ-like character, blessing others, they need to be done in community with other Jesus followers. And I'm not gonna put a number on how many people that needs to be. It just needs to be done in community with other people that you know are trying to know God and grow in Christ-like character and bless others. And the bless others part, that's fairly obvious. That has to be done in community, hence the others part. We're, we're blessing other people. The growing in Christ-like character, there's a proverb in the Old Testament that you may have heard quoted by Jesus following people and not Jesus following people. It says, iron sharpens iron. Right? That there is something about being in relationship with other people that is we're pursuing the same goals, whatever those goals may be, in our case, following Jesus with our everyday lives, that 
that we're able to help each other sand off some of the rough edges, continue to point each other toward Jesus as our example, toward following him and, and having our lives and our character reflect him more and more. But then also in knowing God, in having these conversations with God, part of how we make sure that we're not speaking the voice of God for him is that we go to other people in community and say, hey, I think, or I feel like, or even I'm pretty sure God is saying this. Does that sound right to you? You're getting to know God too. Does that sound like the God you know? Well, no, actually, I, I don't think you're actually supposed to run over your ex with your truck. I don't think that's actually what God is telling you to do. That, that doesn't line up. So it's, it's helpful to do these things in community so that we can say, yeah, no, let's, let's go back to that Christ-like character part. Let's talk about the heart of God. We get to know God through actually engaging in personal relationship. And for some of us, I think, especially if we've grown up in church, that language can sound so familiar that we go, yeah. And maybe forget that we're invited into relationship by the God of the universe. That's incredible. We get to have personal conversations with him. And then we also get to know God through scripture. I mentioned this uh, analogy last week, and, and again, we'll mention that it falls apart fairly quickly, but in some sense, God has given us a diary of sorts in scripture in the sense of it's not just about what he has done. There's not just historical facts about the people of Israel, but we actually get to hear about God's heart and his motivation. Like a diary, we get to hear about the joys and the lights and the heartbreak. And we get to know who God is in a more intimate way. And we're invited into that space. God has given us this text to be able to reflect on and learn from and get to know him through. So this morning, that's actually what I wanna do. I wanna look at a couple passages of scripture. We're gonna look at a couple of Psalms specifically and say, God, I wanna know you more. I think we have a tendency to go to scripture looking for some certain things, looking for some direction for me or help making a decision or uh, some inspiration or maybe just to help me feel better. Or maybe we want to look for just the right Bible verse to quote at that person so they know we're right. Or we, we wanna learn some new good theological truth. And a lot of that is very good. But I don't know how often we come to scripture and say, God, I just wanna know you more today. God, I wanna know you better. So that's the question or the hope, the desire that I wanna to take to scripture together this morning. 
And for those of you who are note takers and like me, like following along that way, there are no notes this week and that uh, was done on purpose. It also happens that I had the kind of week where that turned out to be convenient, but if, uh, I promise it was done on purpose because I've got some things that stuck out to me in these scriptures we're gonna look at, revealing who God is, but not all of those are going to mean something to you. And you may see things different than I see. And I want you to be able to write down those things. Who is God revealing himself to be to you? How is God inviting you to get to know him more, get to know him in a deeper and better way. So we're gonna look at two Psalms. I wanna start with Psalm 23. And the reason I'm starting with that one is because it is one of the most famous passages in scripture. And so I invite you to grab a, a Bible somewhere near you, pull it up on your phone, kind of hold it out in front of you. We're gonna do Psalm 23 and then we're gonna do Psalm 22. Slightly less famous and we'll take a look at that one uh, for a specific reason as well. But I wanna start with Psalm 23 because it is this passage of scripture that is familiar to people who have been in the church a long time and, and familiar to a lot of people who have never been to church. If for no other reason than because there was a funeral in a TV show or a movie and they heard somebody, the, the pastor droning on this psalm in a very depressed way and and it's a passage that I think can become, well, I guess I, I wanna talk about it because it's so familiar, because we don't always bring this question to it, because even when our best intentions are to get to know God, it's so easy to say, okay, but what does this mean for me? So I wanna start, I guess I just wanna start this way. I wanna start by reading the whole psalm and ask us to reflect on it. What, what do you know of God through this? And then I'll, I'll go through and, and just talk about some of the things that stuck out to me. What does God reveal about who he is to you through this passage? Psalm 23. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation. So for those of you who memorized this growing up at an NIV or a King James, it's gonna sound a little different, but maybe that's good. Some fresh words for it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. One passage in which God reveals his heart to us.
I look at those first couple of verses and I know my tendency is to notice all of the I's and me's and think about what it means for I and me. But it starts with the Lord is my shepherd. And, and I learn that God is a shepherd. Now, I could then do a deep dive into exactly what a shepherd was in David's day and what David knew about being a shepherd and learn that David was a shepherd. And I can go through scripture and, and look at all of the different times that shepherd comes up. And all of these things are great to do. And I personally find it very interesting that as we look at shepherd throughout scripture, it seems to always or almost always be tied to this idea of gentleness. When God identifies himself as a shepherd, there's a gentleness to it. And so I can learn that God is gentle. And that's fantastic. But I can also just hold on to that word. Especially if I'm just reading through this. I don't need to turn to the nearest commentary. I'll go again, that's, that's great. I'll go, okay. God, you, you are a shepherd. I'm not really sure I know what that means yet, but, but that's, that's good to know. You're, you're a shepherd, okay? And then as we read further, verse three, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, or I grew up memorizing the valley of the shadow of death, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I learn that God is a guide, that he leads. That's significant for me and I think probably for anybody whose decisions affect other people. It's significant for me in this season that we're in, where I think three or four years ago, we honestly believed we could plan things six months to a year out and they would actually happen the way we expected them to happen. One of the things that this COVID season has done for us is reveal how much of a mirage that was. That I don't really know what's coming two weeks or two months down the road. And I'm currently very aware of that. And yet when it's dark to me, when I can't see very far out, when I really like to be able to plan six months out and feel like I'm in control of where things are going, when it's darker than that, I can know that God at his heart is a guide and he leads. I can learn that he's close. Verse four says he comforts and he protects. Okay. God, I don't, I don't know everything that that means. I've got some questions about that. What, it, what does it mean that you're close? What does it mean that you protect I don't know, but, but I'm getting to know you and who you are and you're close and you comfort 
and you protect. It's interesting to me, just as a side note, that the pronoun changes in verse four. In the first three, it's all he, like God is somewhere out there. And when we start talking about God being close, it changes to you. Like David recognizes as he writes this, that God is close and he's actually engaging in that relationship conversation with God. It's not just about a God who's out there somewhere, but a God who's close and he's engaging in relationship with. And then we get to verse five. And I'm thinking about this God who protects and comforts and says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And, and I, I learned that God doesn't always remove the trouble in the way that I might want him to. Personally, I don't want a table in the presence of my enemies. I want the enemies to go bye-bye. And that's not always how God sees things. God may set up a feast, a celebration, some joy in the middle of the mess. And that complicates how I understand God being a protector and a comforter because I'm pretty sure the comforting thing would be to make the enemies go bye-bye. And God seems to have some different ideas. And I don't have to have that all figured out. I'm getting to know God. Getting to know who he is, his heart. And I'm not sure how it all works together that his heart is to protect and comfort and to not make the bad stuff go away right away. Maybe ever. These are good things to know. Verse six says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I learned that God is a God of goodness and unfailing love and that he pursues me, he pursues you, he pursues us. And I'm really, really glad that he is a God of goodness and unfailing love if he's going to be pursuing. If, if, if God was the lightning bolt throwing, smite button pressing God that so many people seem to think he is, I would be very concerned about him pursuing me. But he's a God of goodness and unfailing love. And his pursuit of me is driven by his goodness and his unfailing love and his pursuit of you. No matter what enemies you find yourself surrounded by, even if you got yourself stuck in that situation, his pursuit of you is driven by his goodness and his unfailing love. And we're getting to know the heart of God. He's good, his love. He doesn't give up on us, but pursues us. This is how we approach scripture and say, God, I wanna know you more. God, show me your heart. I wanna look just briefly at the Psalm right before it, Psalm 22. 
And this psalm is not as famous, partly because it's longer and harder to memorize. Uh, the very first line, more famous, Jesus actually quotes it while being crucified on the cross as he tries to direct his disciples and the other people attending toward this psalm to say, hey, uh, read this story because this story is being lived out in front of you. So these may be words that we recognize, but again, I, I just wanna come to this psalm and say, okay, God, would you show me who you are? And that does get a little tricky. So verse one of Psalm 22, I'll read the first two verses. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You, why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. So I learn that God abandons. I learned that I could cry out to God and he would simply turn his back on me and say nothing. This is why it is so important to be learning about God through the whole of scripture, to not pull out one verse and build a lot of theology on it. <laughs> because This verse contradicts what we just read. <laughs> that God is close and he pursues and he comforts. So when somebody says, hey, do you believe every word of scripture is true? Yes. Do I believe every word is, of scripture is accurate about who God is? No. I believe this is absolutely true of what David experienced. This is how he felt. And I am so glad it's in here because I feel this some days. God, where did you go? God, are you even listening? God, you feel so far away right now. And what we find as we look at scripture is that David is able to over and over again actually throw these words and accusations at God. David ends up being known as a man after God's heart. That he so badly wanted to know God, really know him. And sometimes that involves saying, God, this hurts. God, this feels mean. God, where did you go? And the fancy church word for it is lament. And there's sort of a, a different patterns of lament. But essentially, it's the idea that we can take our mess and our hurts to God and say, God, this hurts. God, this is a problem. God, I don't understand. God, I feel like you've done this thing to me. We lament, we grieve, we cry out. 
And I think over the last, whatever, 18 months, a lot of us have found ourselves in a place of lament. Maybe unwilling to take it to God because we don't feel like we're supposed to. Like maybe we're supposed to get all our language and all our feelings and all our theology cleaned up and lined up before we go to God. When God is inviting us into a relationship with him where we're invited to bring all our stuff to him. And then we actually need to bring our grief and our hurt and say, God, this is where I'm at. And we need to remind each other and remind ourselves of who God really is. That when we're feeling like David was feeling, that we turn and say, well, okay, this is the truth of who God is. Where we find that God is trustworthy and we declare our trust in him and say, okay, God, I don't understand. But I find that you're trustworthy. I can, I can bring my mess to you and you don't abandon or reject. So actually next Sunday night, so not tonight, but next Sunday night, we're going to have a night of lament. We're going to have a time where we come together and we bring our stuff that has hurt and we bring it to God together. And maybe you don't feel like you have a lot that has hurt. We bring these things and we bear each other's burdens and we come together and we say, God, we are in a hurting world and we are in a hurting place. And we lament, we name the hurts. It feels like a lot of us have continued to just keep going and keep pushing through and we haven't taken the time to just name the hurts and name that they hurt. And maybe even before God named the person who has hurt us or say, God, actually, I think you've hurt me. And to process those things together, And you have to remember together that God is trustworthy and good. And actually, it's what David does in Psalm 22 here. As he says, this is how this feels. And he immediately turns, starting in the next uh, verse, in verse 3. He says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. I learned that God is a rescuer. I learned that God is a savior. We remember who God is. And then skipping ahead just for time's sake to, to verse nine. And, and again, I, I'd encourage you this week, whether it's this Psalm or any other passage of scripture, to say, God, what, what do I get to know about you through this? God, I wanna know you and who you are. Some of those things, like the first couple of verses of Psalm 22, are going to be hard to wrestle with. Some of the places we're going to turn in Scripture and go, really? Like, I'm not sure I want God to be like that. Is that really who you are? 
but we're getting to know God. It's a relationship where God has invited us to the frankly impossible to accomplish task of knowing everything about who he is. And yet, even though it would be impossible to know everything about God, we're invited to try to get to know him more. So just a couple more, skipping ahead to verse nine. He says, yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Can we learn that God is personal and he's trustworthy? We can go ahead even further. Verse 24 For he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I love that this, within the same psalm, (laughs) contradicts what David was feeling in verses one and two. He doesn't abandon, he doesn't turn her back. When, When I bring my suffering and needs, which frankly, most of the time, God would have every right to go, really, have you looked around? (laughs) Like you think you're suffering? And he doesn't belittle, he hears me and he loves me and he welcomes me in anyway. He listens to my cries for help. Verse 28, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. God is royal, he is a king, he's the king of the universe and he is powerful and mighty and that God the king of the universe, powerful and mighty, has invited us, has invited you into relationship with him where he doesn't stay distant and powerful in a castle on the hill, but he is close to you and he pursues you with love and grace and goodness and invites you to get to know him more and more. So this week, take an opportunity to do that, to get to know God through scripture, through prayer, through the awkwardness of talking to him about the things that hurt or the awkwardness of listening for what he might have to say or lead in you. And get to know this God of royal power and of close and intimate love get to know his love and goodness for you. As the worship team comes up, will you pray with me? God, would you show yourself to us this week through the people around us, uh, through your scripture, through your speaking directly to our hearts, God, we want to love the people around us with your love. We want to grow as people. We we want to be a blessing to the people around us. but, But God, we know that every day we need and we just need to know you better. And where we're hesitant to do that, where we're afraid to do that, where that word intimacy scares us, 
where your power makes us feel distant from you, God, would you pursue us? Would you stir in us the desire to know you more? And God, I pray that every single one of us would find your correction, your leading, your truth, and that we would find your goodness and your unfailing love. Thank you for being willing to reveal yourself to us. We're grateful and we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.